Hello, and welcome to this special bonus Halloween episode of the Kinky Boys podcast. Joining me, I've got both my co-hosts, Buster and Arza. We're all together to discuss the seasonal topic of monster fucking. Yes, it's always good to be friendly to your neighbors, especially when they're going through all of those transformation pangs that come at this time of season. (laughs) So we are covering monster fucking. Or, to give it its more scientific name, tetraphilia, which is... Terror. Uh, Sorry, yeah. I'm going to Thank you, Professor, Professor Buster. I did, I did correct <laughs> it in the show notes, so it's terrophilia. <laughs> because tetraphilia would be... Uh, four to five. Four. Oh, five. Four. Shit, yeah, four. <laughs> five. Thank you, I got it right the first time. Yes, five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a five fetishist. I can only do it if you have five mm. fingers, five toes, yeah. five... Five vases on the shelf. Whatever. Five knees and elbows. Oof. Well, yeah, that gets back into monster fucking pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. John yeah, Comfort is the big back. stuff. <laughs> yeah, I have a fetish for spiders that have lost three of their legs. Oh. <laughs> Dress up in a like. No, what I, I don't, what, what I don't I have typically a yuck for. people's yums, but yeah, that would be. <laughs> what What I have a fetish for is that uh, video that went around the internet a while ago of a guy who dressed up his dog in a spider costume (gasps) and then made it jump out at people and watched people scream. But it's got a dog, and dogs are the best, and he was a good boy. Costumes for dogs, there's a special place in hell for people who do that, you know? (laughs) The dog dog finally gets control of the master and goes, put on this tutu right now and dance on those hot tacks. <laughs> Even here, it's more. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, like one of my sessions. <laughs> so yeah, teratophilia is essentially where you find where you are aroused by stuff people would normally find frightening, monsters and other hideous things. So yeah, why don't we start off with talking about what's the appeal? Well, you know. It- it's one of those things where, number one, variety is the spice of life. And I think for some people, human biology has its limits. Number two, you know, it's like all fetishes. Psychologically, sometimes things get blended up in us at a young age that we don't realize. Like, for example, movies and television shows. You know, one of the things that turned me furry was seeing Prince Thun the Lion Man and constrictor plants and him in bondage all the time and a tiny little thong. <laughs> So we take in media all the time. I know American Werewolf in London has turned a lot of people furry and, and werewolf fetishist because of that whole transformation scene. So that's that's another thing that does it. And I think, you know, a lot of it is just people sometimes, you know, it, it's art and sex intersecting in a lot of ways, too. I'll I'll say that. A lot of the fursuits I've seen, a lot of the other, you know, monster costumes, orc stuff. Yeah, it's hot, but it's also very artistic. So I think there's a certain degree of personal expression that goes into it, too. I don't think it's all just, you know, mean and nasty hot sex with things that drip slime, although that's nice, too. I I think there's also a certain amount of creativity. It tends to be creative types who are drawn to this, too. Yeah, like Guillermo. Yeah, especially Guillermo del Toro. (laughs) Shape of water, you know, fish fight. Yeah. I'd I'd really agree with that. Like, there's a there's a lot of talent that goes into making mm-hmm. these really really hot outfits, really really hot dress up kind of. Where it's like, yeah, it's this expression of creativity. It's expression of like being able to show something off. Like, there's an exhibitionism to it as well. Like, I always yeah. I, I I used to say like about the the recon parties, the big fetish parties in in the UK, mm-hmm. like. There's going to be a time where, like, okay, we've done pup and we've done kind of various kind of dress up, and the the gear is getting more and more outrageous. And if you're there to fuck, sure, just turn up in a cat suit. But so many people are there to be seen that I think that we're going to see more and more outrageous gear coming up. My plan yeah. before COVID was to go to the recon party last year in Fetish Week in full orc get up, and obviously that that didn't happen. Yeah, it's not easy being green. <laughs> yeah, because so much of like the prosthetics look amazing. Like uh, one of our past guests does orc teeth, doesn't he? Yes, yes. We had Chris Drummonds, is mm-hmm. someone you can look up online if you would like orc teeth, and he does them to order. I will try to find a link for the show notes, but 
He has a Twitter feed just filled with happy customers who are also done up in green body paint and with body jewelry, some of them from his own household showing off the tusks he's done for them. But he puts a lot of attention into them. It's just not like a matter of I pour them into a mold and then out they go. He actually will customize them. I think he's done one that was a pierced tusk. He's done broken tusks. He tries to distress them. They have an incredibly realistic look to them. He puts in a lot of time and attention. Yeah. And it's so like orcs are a big common one, but you also get more out there things. I've seen people like fetishize Pennywise. One of the earliest ones I've come across were like, this was like back in my youth uh, around early dial up internet was someone had photoshopped a porn picture to look like the predator from the movie series predator. <laughs> and that was interesting. Cause I realized actually, yeah, the predator's like this really hulking built um, creature. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, and future, they made subsequent iterations mm. of him. The longer they went on with the species, the more he started getting black and latexy and taller and meaner. Mm-hmm. And now they have pre- a predator subspecies that doms the other one, basically. Ooh. So it's the, the yeah, they, they basically <laughs> introduced in Predators that there are two species and they're like fighting for dominance. And there is a predator who's been defeated, tied up to a rock in this camp. And the big bad alpha predators going around kicking all the ass so now the predators are engaging in violent bdsm with each other (laughs) oh that's hot although that doesn't sound consensual so i guess if you live in a warrior society getting beaten up is on the flip side of that like alien when you think back to the first alien film like the 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 connotations that were dripping from (sighs) like the whole thing the vagina dentata the penetration kind of like ever so much about like yeah like sexuality and queer theory was wrapped up in sigourney weaver nuking the sight from orbit like yeah, well, and that, that like, oppression. The HR Geiger artwork that is based on is deeply, deeply sexual. Everything well, is biomechanical you're, you're t- penises, fetuses, vaginas. You're, you're talking to a, an alien fan, and I have been since a, a, I was a very young cub. And Let me guess the, why. The piece, <laughs> well, it was the first movie that ever scared the shit out of me. Is mm. I was living in Saudi Arabia with my dad and the rest of my family at the time because he w- I lived as an expatriate while he was doing oil company work. <clears throat> and he managed to get a hold of some bootleg tapes and he was watching Alien and I came in with a friend, I believe, and it scared the shit out of me. And I left the house until it was done and my friend stayed and went, ah, whatever. And I came back just in time for the second half of his doubleheader, the Amityville Horror. So that I think that traumatic event kind of made me go, uh, actually, I kind of like those movies and I wish I'd stay for them. But with Alien, the, the piece of art that it was based on is called Erato Mechanics. And it's that was all what it was about. And he's Geiger had some very interesting things to say, not just with the visual part of his art, but also about the dynamics of sex and the dynamics of power He used to talk Mm -hmm. about how one of the biggest, you know, evolutionary leaps in humanity was the ability for women to choose their mates and thus selectively choose which genes get passed on and not. He was all about sex to a very deep level. Mm -hmm. And there's your art lesson my life. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So you have this thing of like the monstrous and the terrifying becoming sexualized and often sort of this... Like in the case of H.R. Geiger, it goes into the very like squishy, organic end of the spectrum. Yeah, and and they really played more on that even with Prometheus. Mm. With Prometheus, you know, in that Alien series, they get to the idea of this black goo that transforms you and makes you into all these other things. Which and, where have I seen that before? Yeah, yeah. that's most of fairy Twitter, at least on my <laughs> <is>. feed. <laughs> and, and I. If you look at also the uh, engineers and the suits they wear, after they got past that whole initial blown Mm -hmm. up one in the first movie, it's skin tight, it's black, it looks like latex. Mm -hmm. You have a hard time seeing where the person ends and the suit begins, so it might be their skin layer. There there was a lot of really sexual Mm -hmm. kink stuff in there that was not even like lightly buried. It's just like, eh, it's fucking out there. And of course... Like in Prometheus, they also added in hentai. 
Well, th- they always had that with with the face hugger, didn't they? It's got balls and it puts a giant tube down your throat to kind of, you. but like they went full tentacle, which kind of brings us into the next one, which is Monster Fucker has a lot of sort of cousin or overlapping fetishes you often find it with. Yeah, like mm-hmm. hentai. Let's see if I can pronounce this. Overposition. Uh, like the having eggs laid in you. And mm-hmm. there are actually sex toys you can get now. Mm-hmm. They're dildos that are hollow down the middle. And there's usually a mold you use to make these gelatin-like eggs. Mm-hmm. I've and seen it. So hot. Yeah. So I, I, hot. I think there was a <laughs> first. Poster. Yeah. There was a first slash kinkster bouncer pup, I think it was, who had some pictures on his Twitter unlocked and open. Of him having an ovipositor used on him, and it was pretty hot. Because, of course... Um, sorry, go on, Jack. Oh, I was just going to provide some derivation of the word in mm. that uh, the ovipositor is what was first, in that the ovipositor is a biological device mm-hmm. on insects. So it is the, it, it's the organ through which they lay their eggs. And then, yeah, so so we work backwards from that, and it's oviposition. Of course, ovi being the Latin for egg. Yes. Yes. Oh, thank you. And, yeah. and it, I would also note that in nature, usually they aren't going up your ass. They're usually like <laughs> gra- grasshoppers use them to like lay eggs in the dirt. But there are some like wasps that you do it parasitically. So I think that's kind of where the notion came from. Yeah, I mean, wasps are terrifying because their ones can be used as, uh, certain species can be used as uh, drills into wood, I found out. Oh, yeah. Well, not just wood, but they can drill into, there's a species of wasp that drills into ants and Mm -hmm. lays their eggs inside. And basically the ants end up, essentially, like they end up getting eaten from the inside out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm familiar with Which is its own, I mean... That 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 in itself is like its own kind of like extreme fetish. There's a lot of stuff around, like around that kind of being like that invasion of a predator, and like it's not necessarily you, you going like whoosh and go. Yeah, it's not it's not my thing, and it doesn't sound like it's your thing. But there's an entire kind of category around that, which is it's rule yeah. thirty one. If it exists, yeah, but... that's porn of it. If you can think of it, and you'll find it online. And that word, like, predator, I think actually really plays really well with the whole monster fucking thing, because they are dangerous creatures that pursue you and overpower you, and they are, like, dangerous towards you. And I think that's part of the attraction or the sort of role play in it. Push back on that a little bit, because I think that it can work, it can cut both ways. I really like playing, from an orc perspective, I really like playing with, like, the the Warcraft kind of trope of orcs because they've got some interesting cultural side of things. There's different parts of their their society within the Warcraft universe. But that means that you can flip things. You can have the orcs committing genocide on one side of of the goat people, whatever they're Mm -hmm. called. You've got the, like, within kind of the wider kind of D&D-iverse, you've got Mm -hmm. kind of like elves being a... Uh, a malign force who will oppress other other uh, yeah. kind of creatures, and so actually you can have a sub orc, or you can have like the peon type orc who's thick as shit, but is like that himbo kind of like himbo aligned, like really buff <laughs> but thick as shit, and will do what he's told kind of mentality. Or you can have like this 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 angry warrior who will come for you with both axes and implant them into you in whatever way that you pre you previously have mm-hmm. agreed a consent declaration for yeah it's it's non-consent definitely comes in with monster play a lot in that regard mm-hmm. it, that's what part of what makes it hot is is like you said the idea of like invasion or overpowering but i think there's also this this is an idea that's an alien too is that what comes out the other end is also still kind of in a way the person who submitted so it's a transformation thing you know, in aliens, how do they know how to turn off the power? It's because they're not you, but they're kind to you. You've gone through a transformation. So it's more of that transformation form, too. Yeah, yeah. and I, I like the idea of, like, the kind of, like, thinking about the philosophy of it and why, it's, why it can be kind of hot is, like, you've got this kind of, like, malign entity who's kind of a bit like you, and they've 
like it interrupting the simplicity of the praise life. So often we see mm-hmm. like I always think about like Orc Daddy, Brutish Dom, and like this little subby elf boy. And it's like, okay, you were living a simple wood elf life. And then this orc came in and complicated things and like disruption to your, to your being and to your Mm. society and like that kind of power to completely turn everything over. I think, especially living in today's world where I think a lot of us would flip over tables if we had a choice to and kind of reorganize society a little bit. There's a, there's a pull to having somebody else come in and disrupt things. That well, may be a step too far. <clears throat> that's post-apocalyptic porn, which can have monster elements in it too, but it's also got a lot of that whole who's going to help you out here, city boy, mentality to it. <laughs> <laughs> Radioactive <Yeah>. city boy. <laughs> Cue everyone hitting up my social media with that picture from Mad Max, the twink and the daddy on the motorbike. Oh, always the gold sent to me. Yeah. <laughs> yes, oh, every time it gets sent to me because it looks just like James and I. So here in the show notes, we also have one thing which is furries, question mark. We've never mentioned them before, so yeah, we should no, definitely... No. Yeah. Yeah, no, never. Furries are... When you get into it, Anthro's kind of touch on the whole not quite human thing. It, it depends on which furs, too, because some are clearly more inhuman than others, like Sergals. Mm. Uh, Sergals are, you know, it's hard to even describe them. It's kind of like if a ferret and a block of cheese had a child. Uh, very web, <laughs> uh, wedge-shaped heads, you know, toothy, sharp, sharp, toothy. Mm-hmm. Kind of aggressive. We have protogens these days. Protogens are more cybernetic, where their entire face is kind of just one big display. And a lot of the fursuiters who do protogen suits, they actually make it so it's programmable, and their expressions are just digital. But there's no, there's no real face other than this cybernetic thing that is taken over your head. And then, of course, there's my personal favorite. There are a lot of skull heads going around, and there was one mm-hmm. fursuiter. And, and I am certain that if, if there's a heaven, they're bound for it with this. They made a perfectly normal looking fursuit and they would get close to people and be cute. And then they could grab the face and rip it off and expose <laughs> the skull underneath. And, and they would just like scream and intimidate and then just like spike their face on the other person. And I'm like, you are an unsung genius is what you are. <laughs> This is something that is really hot to me while we're on the spoopy Mm -hmm. episode. Like thinking about like uh, a a few years ago, I did like a Halloween outfit that had two masks. It was like Frank the Bunny from... uh, Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko. (laughs) You uh, better believe the first love that. Well, Mm -hmm. with a Nosferatu mask underneath. Because then halfway through the party, you get to do a reveal and you rip off your wig and there's another mask underneath <laughs> and like that was it was really quite sexually appealing to me it's just sort of like the, the being able to disrupt things in a in a really kind of like dark and sexual way yeah and and, and like most pups i find attention in a massive turn on so anything <laughs> where you can get more attention well, it's interesting you should bring up Donnie Darko, too, because there's that great line in the film with, you know, what are you doing in that stupid rabbit suit? Why are you wearing that stupid man suit? That's a very <laughs> popular quote around the fandom, because a lot of people identify more with their alternate identity than themselves. And that's a lot of where monster fucking comes from, too, is I feel I'm most comfortable and most myself when I'm being my least human. Yeah, I think, especially when we're talking about, like, sex and BDSM and kind of kink scene in general like i think a lot of us feel that sex is a very primal thing so being able to discard like the societal expectations that's what kind of first got me into pup i well pup i i I realized i actually sex is a lot darker and a lot more primal and i want blood and i want hard sex and i want fear like i want to be able to pin a guy down and like fuck him like a dog and (laughs) Yeah, like sounds like Thursday to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like that was just his realization to go like actually like that this is this is my route into being a pup, and we think of pup as like dorky and cute, like the entry point into fetish and 
like there, there's all kinds of different things we're talking about furry and of posters and and stuff like that but actually like one of the biggest things in the uk is the pup scene and so much of the pup scene is driven by that desire to escape and take on a more primal and basic life I, I actually view it as a, a more nurturing thing, though. I've heard from a lot of pups, like when I have the hood on, there's the pressure and it's uniform and it's calming. And, you know, I just want to be someone's little puppy and be taken care of. It's not I don't know how much it intersects outside of like werewolf scenes and therianthropy theri- with that, because they aren't really saying, yeah, I'm a little puppy, but I want to turn into Cerberus and eat your face. The, the, monster, <laughs> the monster dimension doesn't come in so much. There'll always be a pup like some dog, dorky, brand new pup on Twitter that will call themselves exactly. Cerberus, and they're just some random twink. That, Sorry, they're... pup Cerberus, I don't know who you are, but you're, you're probably a random twink. There's there's, <laughs> mul- there's multiple Lokis as well, and, and so on. So like, uh, you know, we don't really want to tie you down and have a snake in the underworld drip venom on your face, but okay, we'll, we'll, we'll take that. Talking of venom. Yes. Oh, so yes. <laughs> yeah. So let's Rim get on to venom. Rim me. <laughs> <laughs> so there are like I've noticed certain like common monsters that get picked up more than others. So we've got a little list here, and of course at the top is Venom, the Spider-Man so, character. Yeah, which has been the inspiration for every piece of living latex science mm-hmm. fiction art and one-handed you know fiction forever. The whole idea of having this skin-tight living thing sort of involuntarily surge over you and it's in direct contact with you. And, you know, of course, that can tie into the tentacle thing too because it's adaptable and it can change shapes. got muscle growth because it makes you like this hulking thing of muscle and you've got the gigantic, like, slimy tongue, prehensile tongue. Like, Venom is kind of the complete package for all of this, isn't it? (laughs) He, he is, and, and that's why they've had so many symbiotes. Although, you know, Carnage is kind of like the flip side to that, where it's more of the contamination fetish, you know, with, with something going wrong and, you know, being infected and transformed. Venom is more sort of the idea of being co-opted, which brings in sort of those submission feelings and thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's also, of course, why it has eventually evolved into the whole idea of the living latex drone with the mind wipe. It, mm-hmm. It's... It is one of the the seminal monster things around. Is, is... And the one thing I find interesting is it's very, f- like, this whole culture around it has fed back into the comics. And it, it is. Yeah, like, the most recent comics, Venom and the Sim, like, Eddie Brock and the Symbiote are in a proper, like, loving, romantic relationship with one another. They That's... have pet names, they are like <clears throat> together, they had a baby together. <laughs> oh, Marvel Comics, we've been pleased to corrupt you back. Take that. <laughs> no, it's 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 interesting you should mention that because even before that, like well over a decade ago, they were getting into the idea of Venom not necessarily having to eat someone's brains, but because it was, I think, theobromines or something he was going after. Yeah. It's the same thing you get when you feel like you fall in love or have chocolates and they would have pictures of Venom with this giant Valentine's Day box full of chocolates, eating it with the big tongue. And I'm like, oh, you knew what you were doing. <laughs> you knew you were teasing. It's the tongue. Everything's about the tongue for me. I oh, don't yeah. care about anything else. <laughs> it's uh, the fact that it's round as well. Like, it is uh, cylindrical as a tongue. It's like, this is a phallus. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. This tongue, 100% is a phallus. It, and it's, it's not- like... It's not like everything else on him isn't a phallus as well. I think he's like the only 100% phallus-based organism. (laughs) It's it's kind of like that Aqua Teen (laughs) Hunger Force where they had the guy made out of eyeballs. He would scream every time he walked because his feet were eyeballs and everything. Only it's dicks everywhere. So it's probably (laughs) moaning everywhere he walks. So yeah, that is sort of like the protogenitor of like the whole monster fucking thing. And it's definitely the most popular. And like a gateway into it. Another really popular one I've seen, and I think this is more meme-based rather than genuine attraction, is Mothman. I don't know how, I mean, as as someone from the US who knows the deal with the Mothman, it's hard to be attracted to an ephemera like that. The Mothman is supposed to be kind of like this shadowy figure in a couple of glowing eyes who shows up when something bad's about to happen and then disappears. There have been, of course, people who are like, "Eh, I saw Mothman in my yard or whatever, but... 
in general, so the Mothman... You, you've not seen the statue, have you? I have not seen the statue. I know that I've seen the right. movie from the about the Pittsburgh area and some other stuff. So this is kind of where it's come from. So they commissioned, like, the local area for tourism purposes commissioned a statue of the Mothman. It has an amazing ass on it. Well, oh, I see is, it. This six-pack yes. is massive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's... This this goes back to like, and this is goes into history. The door belt on it. It looks like it's overdue for a Mexican wrestling match. This is basically <laughs> a modern day case of. Have you ever heard the story about the when the church commissioned a statue of Lucifer, and they had to send it back because it was too hot? No, but I, now I want yeah. to see that too. Yeah, I I can't remember the artist, but it was basically around the Renaissance, I think. And yeah, the church wanted to like inspire fear of the devil. So they said, like, craft a statue to show Lucifer. And it was too hot. Like the end result was like, this is just a really beautiful, sexy man. Like most Renaissance art. Well, you know, Lucifer was supposed to be an angel. So what are you going to say? You know, he was the dumpy angel that people threw out because he wasn't mm-hmm. ready for prom. I mean, come on, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, no, the, Moth, yeah. the Mothman statue, I think, is right up there with this is, I guess, kind of tangentially tied to monsters mm-hmm. is in Salem, Massachusetts. You know, we had mm-hmm. some some Asylum, problems. Yeah, yeah <laughs> just a few problems with respecting women. And it led to some horrible tragedies. And it's a long history. There's a witchcraft museum. And then someone went, I'm going to put up a statue. It'll help the town. Mm-hmm. Do you know what they put up? They put up freaking Samantha from Bewitched. Like this cutesy <laughs> witch statue. Everyone in Salem hates it. And, you know, they're like, this is not only disrespectful, it's junky garbage. And who remembers Bewitched, who's over a certain age anyway? So I, I think that Mothman statue is probably in that same category of let's let's take, you know, from the bottom down, he's a Mexican wrestler. From the torso up, he's at Gold's Gym. And then we'll just take the head from Bloomhouse and, you know, some wings. And then just tourism trap. Because the the actual Mothman is way more, way more of a vague ephemera. He's Mm. kind of like, you know, it's literally like in the horror movies where you see the glowing eyes and a big shadowy figure and then it's gone. So, you know, I I don't blame them for trying to make them hot. I mean, they're making everything hot these days, aren't they? Oh, yeah. I mean, this thing, this is why I said it's probably more memey. Oh, yeah. Meme-like? I'd say it's cockamimi, but there you go. (laughs) And going on to the hot Satan thing. So one of the early porn comics I was exposed to was, it's literally a comic called Demonic Sex. And I I remember, it stuck in my brain. Yes, it stuck in my brain because one of their guest authors they held on for an issue or two was Clive Barker. Oh, Okay. And it very much focuses around a plot line of, like, again, you've got that sort of forced transformation, very grotesque uh, body horror turned into something sexy. I'm looking at it now. This is hilarious. (laughs) Um, And that was kind of my, like, my first introduction to this sort of thing. (sighs) I, you know, I'm trying to remember what the first time I was when I was exposed to, to all of this stuff. There's that Prince Thun story, but really, all through the 80s, like, everything had to be some kind of a monster, whether it was a superhero or it was mm-hmm. an action figure. Like, when you think about He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, <clears throat> almost everything there is a monster of some sort. You've got, you know, m- evil merman creatures. You've got... Beast Man was like this, you know, canine bestial creature. Mm-hmm. And they're all hot. They're all buffs. Yes. There's, there's not one of them that has a single percentage point of body fat on them. So I don't think that a lot of people realize how pervasive monsters are even that people, you know, objectify and make sexual. And, you know, Hot Lucifer, well, if you've ever watched the Netflix series... Yeah, he's he's like this really buff, lean guy, and then maybe sometimes he's red and looks like he's you know stuck his face in a campfire. Mm-hmm. So that that whole idea of hot demons, hot Lucifer, that's been around a very long time. Oh yeah, and adjacent to demons, we can then move on to the another really common one, which is Lovecraftian monstrosities. 
like well Cthulhu. let's talk about oh, cthulhu let's talk yeah. about cthulhu because <laughs> cthulhu is always shown as like he's got the hottest dad bod cthulhu has a gut right it, it depends and it's like talking about pushing back like you cannot have a cthulhu with a six-pack that's just uh, ridiculous I, I don't okay if you don't want spoilers for the movie underwater like jump forward like a minute or two but the movie Underwater was like a stealth Lovecraft film, and it had Cthulhu right in the middle of it. But it it, it was a very different sort of Cthulhu. Like, the undersea monster creatures were, again, very lean, very fast, very sleek, <laughs> kind of sexy, except for when they're trying to eat your head, where they kind of, like, puff out like a pufferfish. Although some people might be into that. But mm-hmm. Cthulhu himself... There's a scene where, like, all of these creatures are hanging down and you don't know what they're on. And it's Cthulhu and he's porous and they all live inside him. So it was, yeah, like, they're they're walking under... Yeah, that's setting off my tropophobia. (laughs) Yeah, that that was not a sexy Cthulhu because this giant, like, arm lifts up and they look up and realize they're all living inside its pores. (laughs) That did not kept my engine going that that made me go oh shit maybe you shouldn't be drilling for minerals at the bottom of the ocean (laughs) (laughs) well i think one of the hot like the hot things about cthulhu and kind of like that whole lovecraftian side of things is the control element it's like okay this evil entity is in control of everything no matter what you do you are doing its will no matter what like you you are just a puppet you're an ant you're nothing Cthulhu is there controlling everything with these tentacles in every hole, like <laughs> controlling, controlling, controlling. You're a mannequin. Or you're a you're a ha- you're a glove puppet for Cthulhu's hot, self lubricating tentacles. <laughs> well, and there's there's transformation in that too. There were stories by Lovecraft and his successors, and usually they like core out your brain and put it into something alien, and that's you now. Everything from here's this advanced alien like brain cylinder. So now you're a brain in a cylinder and you can't do anything mm-hmm. to, you know, we've, we've seen there was Brian Usna did a book or a, a movie based on the book Necronomicon. And there's a scene where people are being chopped up into pieces by monsters. And then ultimately your brain gets put into the belly of one of them and you become one of them. It's weird. It is really weird, fetishized. We're going to restrain you and have these creatures that have chainsaw beaks saw you up and then you become one of them. And I was, even for my standards, and I tend to be really out there, I was like, I don't know this is going to catch on for the fall line of kink, but more power to you. But It even involved pregnancy. I was like, yeah. But I mean, hopping back just a minute or two, going back to the demonic stuff with Clive Barker, You've just made me think of like half the what are the monsters from Hellraiser called? Cenobites. Cenobites. Uh, they are basically extreme SM monsters, aren't they? Well, yeah, yeah because Clive I mean, Barker's gay. I mean, yeah. the man is oh, part yeah. of the community, yeah. and he was he was making a statement about BDSM and how too much is never enough for some people, and how it can go to very sort of damaging places if you're not careful. But equally, on the flip side of that, like, I ended up getting into BDS. I first kind of explored BDS, like, when I was late teens, because I was like, right, I'm having vanilla sex, and I'm bored. And then I was like, right, okay, I'm hurting people until they bleed, and they cry, and I'm bored. So now I need to try something new, and now I need to try something new. Like, that slows, I think, as you get older, and you can favor more, and you don't need as many individual fetishes. But I think that, like, reading, reading Barker when I was younger... And like the Cenobites with the nails in their faces, obviously like the really, really the one that everyone's seen from the film. Yeah, and, Pinhead. And, and, yeah, yeah, Pinhead. Yeah, well done. Yeah, it's just like, like okay, you're just. It just struck me as the, kind of the same as a lot of what I was seeing on the the like hardcore kink scene, rather than the <laughs> the dressing up and trying to show off kink scene, but rather like the, oh yeah, the, what was it the the Pain Olympics. Oh, don't, don't. That I was that was videos. my teenage life. And, and yeah, it was just like so many people putting nails through their balls and realizing like, wait, this is like, it's like every kink, there's a non-zero chance. <laughs> like there's somebody in the world that's into it. But actually the one that... like the kind of stuff in that was really quite common. Like 
you can only put nails through your balls once, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> but which is why I think the video that told me really people are into everything <clears throat> is they had the the slave or, or submissive all tied up and naked, and they had someone who was wearing very heavy gloves and who had a bundle of stinging nettles and just smack straight onto the balls and cock. And I cannot show that to most people without them like turning pale, pale white and going, no, I, I, I draw the line at yard clippings. Really? <clears throat> yeah. Like, Bailey to got me, like, that seems... once out here in Washington, just brushed it a little. He went, oh my God, yeah, it's but... agonizing. You guys don't like, we grow up with it. Like in, in the UK, these fucking things are everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like actually like tickling somebody's balls with, with a stinging nettle as they're like tied down. This is something absolutely I would do. Oh, no. And Toko should be worried. He took full on, full contact with a huge bundle of them all over and rubbed them in. Oh, yeah. 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 I'd do that. Yeah. Look, that's, to be that's honest, more like, like, well, well. The the lighter you go with them, the more the fibers brush off. So like yeah. if you t- like if you lightly brush a stinging nettle, it hurts a hell of a lot more. And damn, yeah, damn, but, damn. but yeah, I mean like flogging somebody with a stinging nettle, a bundle of stinging nettles is absolutely something I would do. It'll Gentlemen, in some parts hit me of up. the US, but not enough to <laughs> to like you know make it a common thing. That's that's part of why Bailey was so put off by it, is he like brushes against it. He'd never been stung by a nettle in his life before. Oh, he's yeah, from yeah, Texas. They, they don't thrive <laughs> down there, I assure you. Neither does poison ivy, fortunately. How do we how do we get away from tentacles? Because I, I feel like I want to talk more about tentacles. Yeah. We Cthulhu we can, daddy tentacles. Yeah. yeah, let's get back to the tentacles. I think everyone wants the tentacles. <laughs> well, and you because can get like tentacle porn... There are so many dildos like, now that are tentacle shaped. You can get. yeah, yeah, like or, or just like tentacles in general. Like not just like dildos, but like when you think about like Evil Dead was like mainstream horror, Western horror in the eighties, and you've got plant the tree roots, roots becoming tentacles mm-hmm. and like raping and tearing apart this, this this poor girl and i remember seeing that i i must have been like 11 or 12 and i laughed and i laughed and i laughed because evil dead was just so camp but actually like i wonder kind of like on reflection if that had like a desensitizing effect to go actually like i want to see tentacles and i used to i've said on the on, on the podcast before like i used to have a real interest in like hentai and uh, and like mm-hmm. yeah violent japanese comics because they were a way of me processing my own sexual assault mm-hmm. and being able to like tentacle porn was kind of like it was this unknown power and i found that quite hot and i certainly find it quite hot thinking about like controlling tentacles or being a tentacle monster not just mm-hmm. being party to a tentacle monster <laughs> well once trans- to a tentacle monster well once transhumanism takes off we know what form you'll be taking <laughs> yes one of the things i've noticed with tentacle porn is often the monster isn't anything centralized it is just masses of tentacles mm. like it's this amorphous environment around you of tentacles just yeah, getting into you Unless it's a plant-based scene. Yeah. Yeah. Plant-based scenes, it tends to be something like a a Venus flytrap usually or something that opens up and has them all in it. See subsection one, paragraph three, me being attracted to Prince Thun getting attacked by plant tentacle monsters while he's in nothing but a loincloth and has metal manacles on him. (laughs) Like that wasn't going to do that to me at a young age. Is there a kink version of Little Shop of Horrors? Because this is what I'm getting out of this. If well, you... that's going back to Vore, so there you are. <laughs> oh, God, we could be talking about Vore as well while we're here. Another year, another year. Yeah, yeah. It's another podcast. <laughs> so we've covered, like, all these, but there are also the classic monsters. So we've first up, we've got vampires, of course. We've at, we actually covered vampires specifically for last year's Halloween special. Yeah, and I mean, vampires are Mm -hmm. one of those monsters people tend to invest a lot of eroticism in because that's actually in there in the original Bram Stoker works. Mm -hmm. 
and but it, I mean that takes us to the modern oh. day of like when True Blood was a thing, mm-hmm. and people were like you know swooning over what was her name, Spooky Snack Spouse, and how many teenagers <laughs> got taken in by Twilight? Oh my god, They're terrible! But, Those but are not vampires, vampires are like they're fuck. Tiffany lamps that run around like Benny Hill sketches. I swear <laughs> to God, it's just terrible. See, I've never been able to get into vampires because, like, for me, it seems like, oh, look, yeah, the upper class are being parasites again. Surprise, surprise. Well, I mean, I always got into vampires for the queer aspect. Like, before Bram Stoker's Dracula, there was Carmilla, and it is deeply, deeply, like, lesbian homoerotic, that story. Like, the whole thing was the vampire preyed on this young girl by sucking on her breast. And like secretly sneaking into her room at night without the family knowing. And it's like, it is so deeply queer, that story. Uh, all of really the, the vampire mythos is about people leaning into forbidden sexuality, usually. Mm. Like, especially mm. with Jonathan Harker, you know, he's away from his fiance. He's having a bunch of vampire sluts suck on him. <laughs> you know, it's about indulging repressed carnality. And meanwhile, his fiance is kind of hot for Dracula so it's all about the forbidden fruit of, you know, going with this dangerous, older, wealthy man. And maybe, you know, my fiance is this milksop. And for all I know, he's getting sucked on by three vampire sluts. But <clears throat> it's it's all about that, really. And that's why it was such a track for having LGBTQ characters in there. And let's also talk about the vampire Lestat that like, I was going to say, Anne Rice is like the person that took it to like Mardi Gras. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, it's so camp, but despite the fact like this is the thing, like she's so like, she's such a self-professed, like strong Christian and like has always been like quite, yeah, quite explicit about her faith. On one well, side, and then the flip side is she comes out with the vampire Lestat and, to, to and the whole series with Marius. Oh, was, yeah, the vampire Armand. Ri- yeah. But uh, even Amman, before that, yeah. even before oh, yeah. that, she did the Sleeping Beauty series. Like, have you read those books? I it's, have not. It is literally her BDSM fantasies. Like, <laughs> it's about a princess being taken and imprisoned and trained. And all the carriages are pulled by pony boys who have orgies in the stables at night. It, it, it is pure filth in the best sort of way. I'd take that tourist trip. Yeah, <laughs> so like, I'd love like... to go horseback riding. Where's the stable? <laughs> but yeah, I'm trying to remember what they're called. It's like Sleeping, The Claiming of Sleeping Beauty. That's the first book. Yeah, Beauty's Punishment, Beauty's Release, and Beauty's Kingdom. So she started writing, look, looking, kind of looking over things. It looks like she started writing again, having taken a bit of a hiatus. I've always got some, like, whenever a, an author disappears for a bit and then suddenly reappears, I've always got, like, a little bit of a sense of foreboding about that. <laughs> Just like, is this going to be terrible? Is this going to be, like, pay for my divorce proceedings? But, yeah. So vampires, you know, they've got this queerness to them. Again, it's got that whole predatory thing of they're this overpowering force that overpower you and pursue you and take you down. Um, Yeah. So should we move on to the other classic monsters, namely werewolves, a a topic? Yeah, because they're going to pursue you and hunt you down. And like the predator-prey dynamic is a really, really powerful primal dynamic that Mm -hmm. you can really lean into. Well, well, bite me, daddy, has been said more than once at more than one (laughs) furry convention. There's that idea of, you know, you get rough with them. And if you get scratched or bitten and you survive, you become one of them. You know, obviously there's a lot of eroticism in American Werewolf in London. There's Mm -hmm. some eroticism in The Howling, the original, not any of the garbage that came after. There are all kinds. And of course, the werewolf is always buff. It doesn't matter if it was like, you know, Billy who had like a 300 pound build and has never seen the inside of a gym. You get bitten by a werewolf, you're going to be a buff werewolf. So there's that, you know, muscling up we talked about with the venom thing too. So there's there's a there's a whole package to it where it's like hyper masculinity, mm-hmm. it's primal. A lot of the werewolves I know tend to definitely be very BDSM oriented. They tend to be drawn toward more gothic scenes, uh, scenes out in nature. There's not, and of course, they tend to be drawn to the very lovely dildos that come out of places like mm-hmm. uh, Primal Hardware and Bad Dragon, and you name it. 
you know, of course, there's that whole canine aspect to their anatomy, too. So even their genitals change. It's it's a very erotic transformation. Oh, yeah. And like there's often a f- fancy of like packed power dynamics, which, you know, should be said like the whole like alpha wolf, omega wolf, beta. That's actually not a real thing in life. Like the... and, and and just like that, the people who try to emulate that in their kink scenes usually find they don't go far but with, with the werewolves because everyone thinks they're the alpha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apart from the people that really, really, really want to be the omega. Yes, there are those <laughs> who are like, I'll just be the pack bitch, pass me around. <laughs> but yeah, and, and it also has, again, we're getting into that whole queer theory about monsters where... Like the whole thing about werewolves is you come to realize there's something inside you that you can't contain. And if you try and suppress it, it'll burst out and you feel monstrous when giving yeah. into it. And it it also changed over the years. <clears throat> In the beginning, it was, you know, if you're a werewolf, you can pass it on and bite anyone. Mm-hmm. Over the years, it kind of became a you're born that way thing, which when you think about it is not too subtle a metaphor for being born gay or somewhere else mm-hmm. on the LGBTQ spectrum. And it's <clears throat> it's changed to sort of reflect the community that's embraced it the most. I mean, for, for straight people, werewolves, yeah, it's a werewolf movie, maybe it's hot. But for a lot of people, it's a full identity outside of that circle. Yeah, and it's... Like, I've always preferred werewolves over vampires. Same. Yeah. Definitely same. Mm-hmm. Especially Guillermo del Toro's vampires are now going into weird, gross territory. Uh, unless that's your thing, I'm not going to yuck your yum. But have you seen the the series The Strain based on the comic book Guillermo del Toro did? Nope. All right. Did you see Blade 2 and sort of how the vampires had the mouth that opens yeah. up? <clears throat> so apparently he wasn't done making things gross there. What happens is these worms get into your body parasitically and they mm-hmm. change you and colonize you and you go through all of these biological changes and your genitals drop off at some point. Ooh. And then when your mouth opens and you, you have that, you know, gross sort of weird bite radius, there's also a giant phallic tube that shoots out from the center. It can go for like five, six feet. And if it latches onto you, you get infected and it drains you out of blood and so on. So it, it it's a very it's a very weird sort of eroticiz- eroticization of it too because you become leaner and more buff but you lose all your body hair. It's a really intense transformation that I don't find hot in any way shape or form because it's all about getting worms that are parasitic barfed on you. Like the the master vampire who controls them all, the way he moves is he basically throws up on the victim with this unending stream of worms. And I was like, check, please. I'm done. I have, I have never fantasized about having parasitic worms bury me alive. No, no, no. no. Yeah. I'll stick with the living goo. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's better. Yeah. (laughs) The living goo might protect you from the worms. Go for that. (laughs) Okay. So last one. And I know Buster's going to... He's already said he loves this. Orcs. Yeah. I mean, like, just the the, the entire mentality. I mean, there's just so much depth to orc play for me that it's just so primal, so powerful, so, like, it's like the power dynamic is already caked in. And, like, orcs, because... Orcs have been like they're not like vampire. I mean, if you were doing vampire play, both parties know what to expect when you go into it, right? Mm-hmm. There's like the, what, what what is the dynamic that you'd expect to see? And orcs are very much the same, but they're not quite so like baked in. So you can have a bit more. It's a bit looser. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's not quite so baked in, but it's like you can expect. Yeah, you can expect power. You can expect control. You can expect brute force. But also you can expect like a level of honor and like it's not just like I'm gonna eat your insides and cover my my face in your blood. It's it's gonna there's gonna be an honor kind of system to it. So it's almost unless like you're Urukai, a, a daddy to it. yeah. I mean that, that yeah. There's the difference between like whether or not you're playing uh, Tolkien esque, or hence why I differentiate earlier. Like there's very much like the Warcraft kind of which a lot of my generation 
uh, as millennials and 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 mm-hmm. younger generation kind of grew up with as this is our kind of vision of what an orc is and then of course yeah you've got the tolkien-esque yeah i mean is it uh, stop uh, us from the 80s from fetishizing yeah. orcs and half orcs in particular half orcs got mm. really fetishized that idea of oh you you poor outcast here let me console you and maybe chain mm-hmm. you to the bed well, I mean, like, I like the idea from a Tolkien-esque perspective of, yeah, being the Urukai, and then there is an orc. And, it, it like, there comes from one of the my original fetishes, I'm sure I've spoken about before, was free <laughs> use, which is, like, just anything, like, any hole is mine to use. And, like, you can just pluck somebody off the street and fuck them in this weird, <laughs> fucked-up, like, society. Sounds it's very like, Gorean. Well, it's just like, I mean, it's so wrong when you think like in more detail about it. It's basically initially got really explored by the incel movement. It's just like, I can't, I cannot possibly understand why you might beg for a society (laughs) that's like this. But yeah, like there's a, there's kind of like a free use element to it. It's just like, I have so much power as an Urukai and you are just nothing. And we're both animals. We're both like hateful creatures. I find that quite alluring, even though the physicality of it is kind of disgusting. And actually the disgusting physicality can be hot in its own way. We've seen a few different interpretations of orcs. I mean, it's interesting you should mention Warcraft because in Warcraft, the orcs, there was that demonic taint thing that oh, we talked yeah. about earlier. But then there mm-hmm. are also the, the sort of crunchy granola orcs who are, you know, we, we make all our own leather work and we're all yeah. very natural and we're very erotic. Mm-hmm. And here, let me go wander around next to nothing and take you back to the earth. Bad idea. Yeah, the Pit Lord Manoroth was the one that corrupted the orcs. And let me tell you, he has ginormous daddy energy. He is like, oh my god, he is like this ginormous, fat, muscled, four-legged, like, ah. Well, if you want to be technical, he's more of a centaur. Now I have to call myself a nerd. And now we're getting into (laughs) boytour.com, which we should have put on the list. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it is fascinating, like, all the sort of cultures and different types of orcs people have customised ever since, like, Tolkien invented them. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I mean, uh, oh, you, you, of course, orc expert first. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's just, like, there's so much to play. Like, what I was talking about earlier, when mm. it's, like, the quality and craftsmanship of the dress-up side of things like there's so many different opportunities to do so much with it and to like try lots and lots of different things and obviously yeah you can use these stories that we've kind of grown up with and a kind of center point to our culture like Tolkien for example you can you, you can have an Urukai hunting a hobbit you can have in it like in the Warcraft world, you can have uh, like a, a peace-loving Draenei getting absolutely pounded by a demon blood-infused orc. You can have the, one of the, the the noble orcs who challenges. This is turning into the battle. weirdest David Byrne song. Any ever. Oh my god! Genuinely, <laughs> have I'm a like giant orc dick. You know? <laughs> like I, I've got all these scenes flashing in front of my eyes. Like, oh, I'm going to challenge you to Matgora, and when I win, then I pin you down and fuck you instead of killing you that works that definitely works you challenge the chieftain and then you fuck him in front of the entire like humiliation like mental (laughs) note well like when i was like uh, i used to fuck a top and like we're, we're both tops and we would basically wrestle and whoever lost bottoms and it's just that, like, we were fairly evenly matched at the time. And so it was like a flip of a coin, basically, which one of us would, which one would top and which one would bottom. And, like, it's when you really want to win. You want to top and then you get fucked hard. Like, after you have given everything, you're beaten, humiliated, and then you get fucked. And then you have to waddle to the toilet with a load dribbling out your ass. Like, that is, like... yeah that's hot and like even as a top like a dumb top that is hot and like yeah as a like when when you win 
that tryout, like the, the adrenaline is pumping. You're covered in bruises. Like you feel like you feel like you might have a broken nose, and yet you're putting like you're just ruining this boy's hole. Like that is hot, and like yeah. that's human. <laughs> <laughs> so like yeah. the idea of doing that in orc play is like that is colossally hot. Yeah, I mean, you said something that is human. Like, the thing about orcs is they're kind of very reflective of certain aspects of humans. Yes. Like... I mean, everything well, we've yes. talked about is human. Everything came that we've talked about so far came from the fucked up recesses of the human mind. Mm. And that's what's really hot. Like, if it was just, like, animal... Like, some people are into watching dogs fuck, but like that's not what we're that's not what we're here for. Dog right? dog men, yeah. on the other hand, mm. yeah, like it's you know, got to be it's, like nature comes into the out of the as much as man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we've covered that now. In obviously, <laughs> this is very much like in sort of like the fantasy realm. So one thing people can do, we've already talked about getting us like prosthetics, like masks, orc teeth. But one of the most popular things I find is custom dildos, which are made to be monstrous and alien and weird. Yeah, I've seen Giger dildos. Obviously, we've all seen Bad Dragon by this point, where they have even spokes monsters for some of them, like David the Werewolf, that they model some of their stuff off of. They had a mascot drawn up for them, and then they made a dildo in the real world to match it. That's what we've got. Definitely. We've got places like Primal Hardware with a mm-hmm. W-E-R-E, you know, sort of, you can tell from the name, sort of wear animal dildos. And of course, you know, there's any number of like tentacles. Talking you know. about the wares, to drop in uh, wear dog, they now do something called Gideon's Paw, which mm-hmm. is a, a dog paw for insertion. For oh, fisting, wow. yes. Because if, yeah. if you're a furry or you're a Therian and you're thinking of someone fisting you, you're thinking of someone fisting you with a paw. Not with like mm-hmm. a human hand. So it continues that fantasy. They also make muzzles. They make like a werewolf muzzle and a dragon muzzle. So if you want to fuck it, like if you were having oral, <clears throat> you have that as a fuck sleeve option. They, they're they very... Uh, who do that? Is that Primal Harbor? No, that's over at Bad Dragon as well. They've done these fuckable that's bad muzzle dragon. things. Fine. Yeah. yeah. All sorts yeah. of people have, have done uh, this concept though. So it's really interesting to see how they sort of mold and model the anatomy of various cryptozoological creatures we can't unfortunately talk in real life like i quite (laughs) like the twisted beast ones which have just come out again they've done the thing where each one is modeled after a goetic demon and they have like an illustration of the demon written up and a little backstory blurb to go with it because you know who doesn't want a backstory with their dildo (laughs) <laughs> well, of course, because you want to form a personal attachment with it. <laughs> if you're spending 200 quid on a dildo, I better fucking get a personal attachment. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And of course, now, if you don't treat it well and you use silicone lube on it or something and it breaks down, then, of course, it's like a death in the family. There you go. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big loss. So, yeah, there are all these ways which you can, like, all these companies where you can get sort of monster dildos and monster prosthetics. So. I think it's time we wrapped up the episode, so I'll go round with one last question. What if you had to pick one, which monster would you fuck? Oh, I'll go first, because it's gonna be so obvious for yeah. me. It'd be a were a werebear or a werewolf. Obviously Good for answer. me. And I'm going to be a basic bitch and say Venom. Because as we discussed, he has the whole package. He has everything going for him. Yeah, like, if I could have anything tied up, like, Venom will probably be it. It's just like, mm. get your fucking tongue out, and I will <laughs> ride that tongue. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, tie down Venom and just use the tongue day after day after day. Use that this tongue is, in, like, fucking disgusting. This is not the promotion Sony wanted for their new Let There Be Carnage, <laughs> though, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that marketing's like, can we work? <laughs> this is the, the it should have had a gay on the marketing team endless yes endless assume thing. they didn't <laughs> but, uh, yeah like if it wasn't obvious i would rather be a monster than fuck a monster well, but uh, all you all, all you boys who want to be like pathetic elf boys and want to have your woodland realm disrupted once buster uh, gets his orc teeth it's all over for you bitches i've got them i've got <laughs> oh, yeah. them some for daddy made me some Nice. 
So I've got a pet well, says. And since we're mentioning we... the teeth, can I can I give a couple of thank you shout outs in this episode of to people course. who have agreed yeah. to let their stuff be used? So thank you to Bouncer the Dog on Twitter for allowing us to mention that overposition <laughs> scene I mentioned. He's he's cool with us mentioning him, and we appreciate you being so open and great. <laughs> and thank you to Chris Drummonds for making fantastic orc teeth mm-hmm. and selling them. So we'll put a link in the show notes, but thank you for allowing us to provide promotional consideration for your product. And uh, in general, thank you to Bad Dragon and all the other vendors for being really twisted perverts. We appreciate that in you. We salute you. We, we won't say with do. what. <laughs> but it's below the belt. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so yeah, guys, thanks for coming on and doing the Halloween episode with me. It's been awesome. And Yes, and those, I hope, listeners, I have hope you enjoyed this. And as always, play safe.